You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered. Listener-supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Ashley Voss. This is the WFHB Local News for Tuesday, November 7th, 2023. Today marks Election Day in Monroe County. WFHB News interviewed voters, poll workers, and members of the Monroe County Election Board in an Election Day special. More in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half hour, Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production between Lil Bub's Big Fund and WFHB. But first, the Election Day special on WFHB Local News. Today is Election Day in Monroe County. This year's ballot includes the mayor's race and a referendum for the Monroe County Community School Corporation. If you live within the district boundaries, you can vote on the MCCSC referendum, an 8.5 cent property tax rate increase to fund early childhood education programs. The district's three city council seat is the only contested race for the off-year election. Republican Brett Heinisch is running against Democrat Hopi Stosberg for the District 3 City Council spot. At approximately 12.40 p.m., only one voter is at the polling location of the Academy of Science and Entrepreneurship on Patterson Drive. WFHB News spoke with poll workers who said the turnout has been slow so far. Dakota Hall, a local resident originally from Ellettsville, signed up to work the polls at the Academy. Paul provided the motivation behind becoming a poll worker and outlined some of the key responsibilities. What did motivate me? I mean, I think it's fun. I like to, you know, do something different and get to help with democracy in action. Feels good to talk to everyone as they're excitedly coming in to vote. So it's just, it's a fun time and I get paid, which is great too. Um, And yeah, so what I do as a clerk is just check people's IDs and give them their ballots. Hall described the training process of becoming a poll worker, saying he spent an hour at the Monroe County Clerk's Office for preparation. Yeah, so the training's like an hour I think had that a week ago at the clerk's office, and it's just uh, basically shows you how to use the, the tablet. Pretty much it. Hall explained how poll workers and the county attempt to make the process efficient and accessible to all voters. So I think all of the polling places are checked by people that are aware of that kind of thing, and they're like shorter um, polling tables and stuff like that. We make sure that the room and everything is accessible for any kinds of accessibility needs and things like that. So um, we also have these nice page magnifiers if people need bigger text. So um, yeah, that's really not things that I as a clerk have to worry about because it's already taken care of. He outlined what voters can do to make the voting process smoother and faster at polling places. Um, I think they can just make sure they go to the right polling place. And if they find out that they're not at the right polling place, they can be nice about it because it's not the clerk's fault. Um, it's, I think, just being polite and easygoing in 
that's pretty much the, the main thing. Hall said he appreciates when voters are cordial and acknowledge the work he does as a poll worker. But uh, it's always nice when people come in and are like kind and thank us for being here because this is like, I mean, we're getting paid, but it's also a volunteer thing. So it's nice to be acknowledged for, for doing this. Hall explained that poll workers are always needed and he encouraged residents to consider it in future elections. Um, I think there's always need for more people to do this, so I guess just that. Um, yeah, people should, people should give it a try. At 2 p.m. at the Indiana Memorial Union, several potential voters showed up only to find out that they were at the wrong polling location. Poll workers said this was common throughout the day. WFHB correspondent Annika Harshbarger spoke with poll workers Ali Smith, Sandy Sluss, Noreen Bunch, and John Vickers about how the voting process has played out on Election Day. Harshbarger first asked what motivated each of them to become a poll worker. I'm involved in politics, and this is part of politics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a way to stay involved in politics and also kind of give back to the community that you live in. I'm just interested in everything that goes on, like, you know, I was retired and tired of staying home, but then I got interested in this and it's, it's intriguing. And it's pretty much the same. This is um, good service work, I think, and it's, it's good to be part of the, the system that uh, helps govern our society. Each of the poll workers discussed the key responsibilities of what they do on Election Day, each playing a role in making the polling place operational. I'm a clerk. I check people in uh, with my Democrat partner. Yeah, so we make sure that licenses are, the photo IDs match, that they're registered to vote in this this precinct, um, all of that kind of information as they come in, get the right ballot, those kinds of things. It's my job as judge is to make sure that they do their job. And I guess the overview is we want to make sure that everyone has the right to vote that is registered to vote. So I mean that's that's the key responsibility for all of us, I think. Um, but then also securing their votes and making sure that their votes are secure and go to Election Central at the end of the night. The panel of poll workers gave rough approximations on how many people had voted so far at the IMU and predicted how many people would show up by the end of the day. Overall, they described the turnout as relatively low. Okay, I say 30, Allie says 47, uh, John's not guessing. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, we've John seen says so far. Noreen so, is not guessing, she wouldn't, she wouldn't play the game. So far we've seen 25 people, but we're hoping, 28 people, can I count? No, yeah. 28 people, but I'm hoping we get uh, we're that gonna turnout. Get, I'm going to win because we're going to get close to 30. Yeah. Yeah, so this has been a quiet uh, set of precincts, I think, for the, the state. Yeah, we or have the to city. do something but, to alleviate the bullying. Because yeah. we're mostly students and they're not interested in local elections. Yeah. Most people who have their polling place at the IMU are college students. The poll workers provided explanations as to why student engagement in local elections can be slow. Well, they just don't have any interest in local government because it really doesn't affect them, where national elections definitely affect them. And then I think many students are registered in other districts, um, so so they may not be able to vote here anyway if they haven't gone through the process of, of changing their address. So being that you know this is a, a temporary uh, home for them, I guess, may, they might have not have taken the time to register to vote here. As we've seen a lot of uh, students who haven't updated their address, um, so they are now living within the precinct that the IMU governs. 
Um, but they haven't been able to vote today. They've had to go to a different location to cast their vote um, now that they, even though they live here. And so making sure that your address is up to date before kind of March would help with the primaries. They went on to describe the training process in order to become a poll worker and how it prepared them for the role. There are also several different forms for doing different things like change of address, change of name. Um, if someone needs help or assistance uh, voting, there are forms for that. So again, just making sure all the rules are followed. Um, How about the locks? That's and, interesting. And everything is documented. And then uh, everything gets sealed and locked. So we have um, the inspector has keys um, to make sure, again, nothing is tampered with uh, going from here to Election Central. Yeah, everything has serial numbers. And then the Republican judge and the Democratic inspector will ride together to Election Central. Yes. And each ID is checked by a Republican and a Democrat. Yes. Each, each ballot is bipartisan. Yes. The poll workers describe the voting process from when a voter enters to when they leave. So once they um, are checked in, we'll grab the, the correct ballot. Um, both a Democratic clerk and a Republican clerk will uh, verify all the information and sign, uh, initial the ballot, which will then be checked by um, with a red pen. With a pen, red pen. And then it'll be checked by the judge that it has the seal um, for the state and then also the two signatures. After that, they'll go over to these privacy booths and vote. Um, whether it be accessible, the accessible option or or the other one. And then once they're done, they'll feed their ballot into the, the ballot box. Um, and once it goes all the way through and drops down, there'll be a little screen that pops up. And there'll be one of us there at the yes. scanner making sure that they feel comfortable. So that sometimes it'll spit the ballot out if it hasn't been like fully checked off. And so then you can it'll tell you why it's spitting it out. And then the voter will be able to um, rectify that before they fully submit it. I think one of the advantages is, is the early voting. That really helps a lot of the general public, um, mm -hmm. not necessarily just the students, but the rest of the public, because they have an option to not have to come to their precinct. It's all one central location, and they can just vote that day and be that. And that is, has affected a lot of our numbers, too. You know, each polls, mm -hmm. like there's been uh, too many, they, they, all through the month, you need to check the numbers that have gone down at, at uh, Election Central the, for the early voting and see how, you know, what, yeah. there was quite a few. They were really, you know, there's been a lot of people come in and vote in the last, in April, yeah. I mean, October. That's right across from the bus station, yeah. so it's a pretty good central location for anyone who uses uh, public transportation. Harshbarger then asked what challenges poll workers face on Election Day. The hours are very long. We have to be here at 5 o'clock, and we have to stay till about 7. <laughs> I did get up at 345. Um, well, now, you can opt to only work half day. That's yes, yes, yes. Yeah. You can only option. But that's for weenies, not us. <laughs> <laughs> Making sure that, um, like, uh, campaigning material doesn't come into the building isn't as... Um, prevalent maybe this election, but it may be in uh, future elections. So making sure that is kind of campaigning material stay outside um, when it's busier, right? Making sure that everyone's getting through, that everyone is calm, cool and collected as they're going through. At this facility is a little challenging because we have so many entrances and we have particular rules, 50 feet, 50 wide. And, um, you know, then we have this entrance, we have the main entrance downstairs 
Then we have all that signage to get them up here. Then we have the entrance on the stairway. And how are we going to direct people to the ramp? And already there, they've been people telling us, you know, the signage is not very good. So we went out and our fearless leader corrected it. So mm -hmm. in this facility, there's a little more challenges that I don't think at any of the other facilities. No, normally you're on one level and you have one entrance and you just go yeah. in. The IMU has been helpful with um, supplementing also signage to make sure people are getting to the right location. But one thing, all we have to do is call Central and say we need more wires, we need this, we need that, and then fly them right over. Yeah, they're down here in a heartbeat. Yeah. So. Poll workers went around and shared memorable experiences from their time spent as a poll worker, both positive and negative. We did today have uh, a person that was voting for the first time and uh, their parent drove all the way from their home to be able to watch their child vote for the first time. So that was, I think that was pretty memorable. I kind of love when that happens because um, it is really important, right? It was uh, a parent who's been involved in the political process with that child. And so I think I like that. And since we're Democrat and Republican equal number, um, most often everything is very smooth and everybody's yeah. an adult. That hasn't always been my experience. I had a horrible experience one year uh, where that was not any of the above. <laughs> yeah. But when I did my evaluation, I was very detailed in what the problem was. And I think Central solved that. Mm -hmm. I think the most disheartening thing is, is to happen for the people that come in and, and they're not able to vote, you know, they're in the wrong district and it's just, you know, it's just, it's just pointing, yeah. you know, that we can't. Definitely having more education about that up, yeah. uh, in, in the months ahead of time. And so yeah. I was even saying like on campus, like having IU, whether it's in an IU blast email to all the students, how do you register to vote? How do you change your address? A couple months in advance, having booths around campus would be really helpful, I think, to up the student numbers, especially going into the primaries and the presidential election in the fall. One positive memory from today, a gentleman who voted earlier uh, adamantly took his sticker and said, this is the, uh, I voted in every election and I've kept every sticker for the last 35 years. Oh, so, my goodness. Or whatever they would pick up. So yeah. that's really great to hear. WFHB correspondent Annika Harshbarger spoke with a voter at the Binford Elementary School polling location. She said she always makes a point to vote. I try to vote every time it's the option. Uh, it's important for women to come out and vote. Um, I feel like the school systems need improvement, so that's a big thing. This voter said she uses a website to learn more about the candidates on her ballot. Oh, actually, there's a website, uh, 411 Vote, and you put in your address and it gives you information on all the candidates. And they have like a questionnaire that they have to ask about and answer about all different topics. So I used that. She shared some advice for first-time voters. Um, don't be intimidated by it. Figure out what's going on locally and get out there. Another voter at Benford Elementary School, Alamehu Weldamerium, said the vote for MCCSC referendum was important to him because he has three children. Uh, the issues on the referendum are important because I'm, I'm a father of three children. So the, the issues on the referendum are very important to me. Uh, as a parent of three children, uh, I care about what's on the agenda, what's on the ballot. 
He shared that this is his first time voting in Monroe County, but he thought it was easy to figure out when and where to go. Uh, I guess this is my my second local election. Uh, we moved out from uh, Virginia, so my first experience was in Virginia. Uh, now I'm a resident here in Bloomington. It was, it was smooth, easy. Yeah. He said that when he went into Election Day knowing who he was going to vote for, but still asked for a sample ballot ahead of his official ballot just to make sure that he was prepared to vote today. Oh, I, I have already made my mind uh, before I get here. And uh, also asked the officials inside to show me the sample ballots before I took the official ballot. Walter Miriam encouraged citizens to exercise their right to vote. I mean, it's, uh, we are citizens of the city, and uh, as citizens of the city, we need to be uh, proactively engaged in the way we are going to be governed. So I tell people to come out and vote for whoever uh, they are voting for. WFHB News spoke with Democratic Chair of the Election Board, David Henry. My name is David Henry. I am a, the president of the election board. Uh, the election board has three members that oversee the election, a Democratic representative, a Republican representative, and uh, the clerk of courts uh, is the uh, third seat. Um, and, uh, I am the Democratic representative and uh, am here to help with the administration of the election. And under Indiana Code, uh, the board oversees the election uh, from sunup until sundown until the votes are in and counted. And, the election is closed out. According to Clerk Nicole Brown, there were 3,987 in, in-person voters on Election Day as of 1.28 p.m. Since the polls opened at 6 o'clock, 3,996 voters. Early voting number is 2,894. So far, it says we have two provisional ballots. That could be more by the end of the night. Henry calculated that it was about 11% of Monroe County voters. So we're looking at about, as of half, you know, a little over halfway, about 11.5% voter turnout, uh, which um, is interesting. We, we did not have a municipal election in the last cycle because um, there were not many contested races. Uh, and the, that previous version of the board had not decided to hold a municipal election except in the contested race um, in that year uh, between Sue Scambolari and Andrew Gunther. But 11.5% turnout um, is where we're at right now. Um, you know, if the, vo- the vote rate continues, we might see that grow a little bit, uh, which might be good good numbers for uh, an otherwise uncontested primary. The least folks were willing to come out today and show a preference for candidates and weigh in on the um, MCCSE referendum. Henry said that although today's election is not too competitive, he encourages citizens to vote and have their preferences heard. I think uh, regardless of uh, you know, rain or snow or, or sun, uh, that every opportunity we have to vote and express um, our decisions and choices for uh, our future leadership coming in is important. So even uh, if you've only got one person to vote for on the ballot today, you should go out and give that preference. And uh, most importantly, uh, you know, when it comes to um, you know, considering the whole or the totality of votes today, if you don't live in the city of Bloomington, you might have a ballot uh, issue with the MCCSC referendum. And uh, just make sure you just check out the opportunity to vote at your polling location. Um, you may just have a one and only thing to vote for. So I hope uh, everyone gets out today and exercises their, uh, their constitutional right to vote and uh, lets their voice be heard at the ballot box. Election Day is not over yet. The polls close at 6 p.m.
Henry outlines resources to learn more about the candidates. So any voter that's really looking to learn more about the candidates themselves, uh, the Monroe County Democrats website, of course, does list uh, the candidate information for our slate. Uh, and you can find that at MonroeDEMS or Dems.org. Of course, um, there are good statewide resources that are bipartisan. Of course, the Secretary of State's office uh, that can share with you uh, through IndianaVoters.in.org of where to get information about your polling location and what a sample ballots might look like and, and to get more information about participating and voting. Of course, here in Monroe County, uh, we do have our own website through our um, co.monroe.in.us website. And also, if you just Google Monroe County voters, it will take you to local information about polling locations and sample ballots to get um, and some more information as you go out to vote and hopefully vote before 6 o'clock today. On Election Day, you will need to vote at your assigned polling place. To find your polling place, you can visit indianavoters.in.gov. Polling sites will be open until 6 p.m. Next, we have Low Bub's Low Show, a co-production between Low Bub's Big Fund and WFHB. We turn now to that segment. Welcome to Lil Bub's Lil Show, a weekly co-production from WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We highlight adoptable animals with special needs in South Central Indiana and spotlight topics to promote human animal welfare. First, here is today's featured animal. On today's episode of Little Bub's Little Show, we're celebrating Adopt-A-Senior Month, and we've got two senior pets to spotlight, Baby and Pueblo. For the entire month of November, our local Bloomington, Indiana shelter has reduced adoption fees for their senior population. All dogs and cats 5 to 10 years of age will have reduced fees of just $20. And dogs and cats 10 and up don't have a fee at all. That's right. They're free. Baby and Pueblo are two super sweet seniors that are ready to find their forever homes. Baby is a beautiful nine-year-old tuxedo cat. She sadly arrived at the shelter after her guardian passed away. She is a constant companion and loves to be near you. Though she does not particularly want to play with other cats, she does not mind coexisting with them. She is currently housed in our Little Bub's Big Colony with several other wonderful kitties. Baby likes to post up on a cozy bed and watch her younger pals play. Baby is a loving girl with a sweet disposition, and we are confident she will find her forever home soon. Pueblo is a very handsome brindle dog who is about eight years old. He was found in pretty rough shape back in August, and our kind community members made sure to help him find a safe place to go. Since Pueblo arrived at the shelter, shelter staff have fallen in love with this gentle soul. Pueblo tested positive for heartworm disease and, as of a couple weeks ago, has completed his treatment. 
Pueblo is the epitome of sweet. He currently resides in the office of our outreach coordinator, and he is a frequent participant in staff meetings. He has a tail wag like you wouldn't believe. Pueblo is a loving and kind dog who has yet to meet a stranger. He can be particular about dog friends, but he seems to gravitate towards calm female dogs. He is a true gentleman, and he is ready to find his family. If you'd like to meet Baby and or Pueblo or another senior pet, visit the Adoption Center at the Bloomington Shelter today. If you're interested in adopting today's featured pet, you can learn more at our websites, goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org. You're listening to Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production of WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We now turn to this week's featured topic. Today's featured topic is one we've covered before, but it's something close to our hearts at the Bub Fund. Senior Pets. At the Bub Fund, part of our mission is to protect the human-animal bond and champion the cause of special needs pets across the nation. Imagine a world where every pet, regardless of age or ability, is cherished and celebrated. That's the world we're striving to create, and we're excited to share a new initiative we've been working on behind the scenes. It's called Celebrate the Golden Years with Senior Pets. As pioneers for advocacy and increased awareness around special needs pets, we have witnessed the extraordinary resilience and beauty that lies within each and every animal. Our work goes beyond caring for the most vulnerable pets. It's about shifting perceptions, spreading awareness, and fostering a deeper understanding of the value that senior pets bring to our lives. Senior pets often find themselves in need of extra care during their golden years. These treasured companions have shared a lifetime of love and companionship with their human counterparts. Now, it's our turn to give back and ensure their twilight years are filled with comfort, joy, and dignity. Caring for older pets can be difficult at times, especially if your elderly pet does have a chronic medical condition or exhibits any behavior changes. Senior pets generally need increased attention, including more frequent visits to the vet, possible changes in diet, and in some cases, alterations to their home environment. Here are a few things to be aware of with your senior pet. Try to be aware of any changes in your pet's behavior. Be sure to schedule regular vet visits. Change your pet's diet as needed per your vet's recommendations. Try to keep your pet moving and active. Look for signs of arthritis. Make your home senior pet friendly. Be patient with your senior pet. Help your pet stay clean. Be aware of the signs of cognitive dysfunction. Stay focused on your pet's quality of life and call your vet if you notice any changes. One of the easiest and most important things you can do for your senior pet is to give them love. Our companion animals can sense when we are nervous or stressed, but old age in pets doesn't have to be something to fear. If your pet has any medical issues or changes to their health, 
Just speak with your veterinarian and help your pet live their best life. You can make a difference in the life of a senior pet. If you're interested in learning more about our initiative, you can reach out to me at dude at littlebub.com. And remember to adopt, don't shop, and please consider a senior pet if you're looking for a wonderful companion animal. Thank you for tuning in to Lil Bub's Lil Show on WFHB. Produced in partnership with Lil Bub's Big Fund. For more info on today's featured animal and topic, find us online at goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org. For WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com.